This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional websites or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code LEFT8. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The David Feldman Show, Counterspin, The Tom Hartman Program, This Week in Blackness, Activism from the Unfuck It Up Project, and The Young Turks. And a note that today's topic makes me more angry than any other that's literally true. So stick around at the end of the show to find out why that's the case. This isn't the same country as it was 48 years ago. Are we capable of tweaking Obamacare? I think it'll have to be done on a state-by-state basis where you have uh, innovative governors and legislators who are willing to look beyond ideology and try to do what's best for their citizens. You know, I like to think that Obama ushered in a progressive wave and that we would see a return to bigger government. I don't think the end has come yet for Reaganomics. I think it's just begun. I think this federalism, the return to the states, is exactly what Reagan and Boehner and the Republicans wanted. And... That's just beginning. It's. It, I think, unfortunately, we're seeing a second phase of right-wing politics. How where, far can that pendulum swing, though? Well, they've strangled the beast. They've mm-hmm. created paralysis in Washington, D.C., and now it's up to the states. That's exactly what the Republicans wanted, and that's what we're seeing now. And the Supreme Court just ruled that way, too, Yeah, with, uh, with the marriage equality. For a couple of years, I was saying that Obama was ushering in this new wave of progressive big government politics, but I think the Koch brothers and Alec are succeeding locally, and that's where we have to fight them now. And the fact that we have to fight them in the trenches, in the, in the states, and you know, Thomas Friedman in the New York Times wrote that The big job now is to be mayor. That's where all the fresh new ideas are coming. The fact that you really have to get down and dirty is the triumph of Reaganomics. And we're losing. We really are losing. They're just, they've got more money. They've got more power. And the fact that we can see virtue now in states' rights is pretty scary. Well, and by the way, the Koch brothers specifically have a strategy that very much takes stock of that. As you know, they've they've turned from federal. Obviously, they're they're very very active in their lobbying at the, at the federal level, but they're really getting that grid down to dog catcher type uh, type mm-hmm. level. They are pursuing local elections that you would think would be well below the altitude of the kind of thing that they concern themselves with, but quite the contrary. They're anticipating exactly what you're saying, so that they are working on every level, and on a granular level, they are active, and their money is very much in play. So it is a battle, I think, even at the very, at the very most, at the most local levels. And but why a- are people buying into it? Because it's a lot of, of it, you got so much attention has to be paid to this stuff. Americans can barely understand You have to understand it. And one of their agendas is to undereducate. Sure. I mean, our, our whole education system is not bringing people up to the level that they actually have any critical thinking. And, and then I would even go even further. Even if we did have an educated mass, a lot of our districts are so badly gerrymandered that we can't yeah. get 
what we want anyway. And I would say in California, you know, in 2012, we finally had a Democratic legislature, House and Senate, and then uh, and Governor Brown. But we had uh, and we passed this single payer bill. Uh, it uh, fell by two votes. And six Democrats either voted no or abstained. So it's not always Republicans that do that. And when Schwarzenegger was in power, they gave him safe cover because they knew he would veto it. But when push came to shove, these guys were all beholden to the private insurance industry. And, and that's where it gets back to it. You know, we don't necessarily have Democrats and Republicans. We have corporatists. And, and yeah, right. that's, that's the real sad part of this. What shall live, what shall die, what gave birth, what gave life, what is yours, what is mine, what is ours? Are these questions so senseless? Well, who's gonna answer them at the time when I really need to know? So let it carry you like the ocean when you first learn how to float. So I went to Papa's grave and I burned him some sage. I said, thank you, but I ain't ever gonna know ya. I said, thank you, but I ain't ever gonna know ya. It's not every day that you hear a TV reporter talk about all the things he doesn't know. But here's NBC Meet the Press host David Gregory on July 7th talking about the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. I don't ex understand exactly how the exchanges are going to work. Uh -huh. I don't understand all the ins and outs of the employer mandate and how that works. But anybody who gets a paycheck in this country understands one thing, yeah. that there's a new line item, and it says Medicare Surtax. So the tax part's working. Yeah, You're well. paying more in taxes <laughs> for Obamacare. That yeah. part's working. It makes a lot of people mad. So he doesn't know a lot about the law, but the part that he thinks he knows, that every worker is paying a new Obamacare tax, isn't true. That additional Medicare tax is paid by people making over $200,000. That would be the top 2% of household income. People like David Gregory, in other words, and maybe most of the people he knows. What do you get when you have a for-profit health care system like the one we have here in the United States that not one single other of the 33 OC, others, 33 OCD countries has? What do you get? You get one hospital in Washington, D.C. that charges $115,000 to keep a patient on a ventilator and another hospital in the same city that charges just under 53000 for the exact same thing. You get one hospital in Miami that charges $166,000 for treating a heart attack with four stents and major complications. And another hospital in that city that charges around 89000 for the same thing. For years, we weren't able to get a clear picture of what various hospitals charge for similar procedures. Hospitals have gone out of their way for years to hide what's called their procedure price list. Like they were national secrets. 
but not anymore because the cat's finally out of the bag. Today, the Obama administration and the Federal Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services released a database that shows for the first time how much the vast majority of hospitals in our country charge for the 100 most common inpatient procedures billed to Medicare. And when they released that data, you know, this, this is all the claims for 2011, 163,000 individual charges recorded at more than 3,300 hospitals in, 300, in 306 metropolitan areas. And the pictures paint, the numbers paint a picture of uh, a total, a totally insane system. The prices for the exact treatments vary all over, the, they're all over the map. And at random at hospitals, sometimes just a few city blocks from each other. Look at hospital costs in and around New York City, for example. The Huffington Post compiled data from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services report to make a map of hospital costs for treating chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, in the New York metropolitan area. The range of costs to treat the same exact disease is where people, well, it's, it's more deep, it's more extensive than people just get out of breath very easily, but that's the main symptom. Um, but COPD, this could be a very serious condition. At the Bayonne Hospital Center, just over the Hudson River in New Jersey, treatment of COPD costs $99,690. Right across the river back in, in New York City at the hospital on the tip of Manhattan, that same treatment is $11,000. Looking at the entire New York City metropolitan area, the cost of COPD treatment ranges from $7,000 at a hospital in the Bronx to that $99,690 charged at the Bayonne Hospital Center. And it's all the same treatment. In major cities across our nation, the range of prices for similar or the identical medical procedures looks more like the ups and downs of a wildly volatile stock market. I mean, you know, it's important to note here, by the way, that these prices that are revealed in this data do not reflect the prices that Medicare and insurance actually pay for the various procedures. Medicare and insurance companies pay what are called negotiated rates for the procedures. So they pretty much pay the same everywhere. Instead, what these numbers tell us is what the 49 million uninsured human beings, people in our country, citizens of the United States, have to pay uh, for these various procedures out of their own pockets because they don't have insurance. They didn't negotiate a deal with the insurance, with the, with the hospitals. This data represents the dilemma that uninsured Americans face when they, when, the, you know, basically trying to decide between, do I save my life by having this procedure done and live a life of poverty or die? But the real takeaway from this new data should be just how absurd and crazy it is to have a for-profit health system. I mean, this is nuts. We used to have a largely not-for-profit system, not-for-profit hospitals, not-for-profit insurance companies. These were mainly required by the various states' hospital and insurance regulatory, regulatory boards. Uh, then in 1980, Ronald Reagan stepped into the White House, and basically everything changed. Nonprofit and community-owned became evil, and for-profit and corporate-owned became good, and it was all about making a buck. Insurance companies and hospitals throughout the 80s and the 90s began turning into for-profit money-making machines. Doctors began forming their own practices as corporate entities, and physician costs began to soar. Prescription drug companies began to squeeze every last penny out of the American public. And, you know, they cut that deal with uh, Bush where, uh, hey, uh, Medicare can no longer negotiate prices for drugs. 
So the cost of just about every other aspect of health care in the United States has skyrocketed since the Reagan era. And what we're left with is a for-profit, basically a Reaganomics health care system that charges inexplicable rates for common everyday procedures and lets prescription drug companies fleece the wallets of Americans while millions are forced to decide between life-saving health care or a life of poverty. Actually, they're, they're forced to decide between life-saving health care and, and a life of poverty or death. If health care were part of the commons, if we were to say that health care is a right in America instead of just a privilege, none of this would be happening. We wouldn't have a hospital in the Bronx, New York, charging 7000 bucks for a treatment and a hospital a few miles away charging thousands more for the same procedure. It is time. We must say in America... We're taking the healthcare system out of the hands of the corporate profiteers and the Wall Street tycoons, and we're putting it back where it belongs in the hands of the American people. You know, Alan Grayson so nailed this thing when he said the Republican plan is don't get sick. And if you do get sick, die quick because it's less expensive. Squarespace.com is a platform used to build professional-looking websites so easily that anyone can do it. The fact that it's easy to set up and just works so that you can focus on the content of your website rather than the logistics of it is music to my ears. So they have these templates that you can use to build your website, right? That's what makes it easy. But when I saw what they could really do, I was blown away. Everything is drag and drop and then adjustable on the fly so that you can move or resize pictures effortlessly, just for an example. But the coolest thing is when you look at a website built on Squarespace, whether it's on a desktop computer or a tablet computer like an iPad or a smartphone, the exact same web page will be shown in a different way to perfectly fit the device the user is on. And it's not like a small, dink barely usable mobile version. It's like the real website. And I had a conference with these guys at Squarespace so they could run me through the features of the site. And they demonstrated this feature to me by actually changing the size of a browser window in real time so that I could watch as the style of the website changed fluidly from one design style to another to fit the smaller and smaller screens. And I mean, it was honestly like some sort of black magic. So if you're worried that a user-friendly website with pre-built templates won't have really powerful technology backing it up, then you can put those fears to rest because Squarespace is an excellent marriage between high power, high technology, and ease of use. So try out a free trial now. See how you like it. No credit card needed. Then when you do sign up, you can use a special offer code LEFT8. That's L-E-F-T and the number 8 to get 10% off their service and to let them know that you're supporting this show. So again, the offer code is LEFT8 to get 10% off when you create your own space at squarespace.com. So the big news actually this morning, the uh, Health and Human Services Secretary, Kathleen Sebelius, announced a new rather groundbreaking uh, initiative that will expose and render transparent how hospitals bill their patients. I was going to, what they going to do? What's going to happen? Well, apparently um, it's, it's pretty much been entirely obscured up until this, up until this point. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly how much it costs whenever you go to a hospital. So whether you're an inpatient for inpatient care, whether you're getting an x-ray, whether you're having a baby, um, the, the rationale behind how much 
your bill eventually costs has been largely obscured. And so um, the, the Department of Health and Human Services has decided that actually the best thing to do is that they actually have to show exactly what it is that they're spending on, especially those hospitals that honor Medicare. In order to to have uh, uh, be able to service Medicare patients, they have to show how much all of their services cost. Hmm. Which is actually um, incredibly useful because the variety of costs depending on the hospital varies. So if you go to, um, let's say you have a heart attack in Brooklyn and you live, it'll cost about $43,940 in Brooklyn. You go to Mount Sinai Hospital in Manhattan and it'll cost you $16,611. Hmm. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good. And, so, no, but it's like real. Like there's a, there's a prime example. There's a, a story covering this and they point out that <clears throat> If, uh, they said, uh, this is a quote from them. They said, when a patient arrives at Bayonne Hospital uh, Center in New Jersey requiring treatment for the respiratory ailment known as COPD, excuse me, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, she faces an official price tag of $99,690, less than 30 miles away in the Bronx at Lincoln Medical and Mental Health Center. The charge is seven thousand and forty-four dollars for the exact same treatment. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about this is, you know, well, the hospitals have to, you know, they they charge based off of, you know, whatever the the cost for that particular hospital is, and they tend to blame and put try to put the cost back on the patients when hospitals are actually doing quite well right now, quite well indeed. But and so- there's no there's there's no uh, there's no transparency on how much it costs for everybody. It's This is the primary reason, I think I've talked about it on the show before, why we moved to Vermont for me to have a baby. Because yeah. yes. it would have cost a hot, you know, $35,000 to have a regular, healthy birth yeah, well, how in much New York. It, how much did it charge in uh, Vermont? For for the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Including all the, pr- the pre, uh, pre-birth care and everything? Mm-hmm. $4,000. What? And I got to go to the midwives of my choice, the hospital of my choice, have the awesome Just crunchy four. birth that I wanted. Just 4000 4000 Mm-hmm. For a baby birth and crunch? Jeez. Oh, she's right. on a cracker. Mm-hmm. But and I- so, and I, and I think what, what's, what's also the important thing about this story is that, you know, if you have a health, if you have health insurance, you can look at it and say like, oh, well, you're on the hook for, you know, a 20%, you know, copay or you're on the hook for paying for 10% of the bill. But that 10%, so in my case, the 10% was a huge difference because it's 10% of 35 grand or 10% of 4,000. Oh, wow. Because you know what this means. So even with insurance, so yeah, because like if you're paying 10 wow, yeah. Three, yeah. That's either three thousand five hundred or four hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars. Yep. You pay four hundred dollars. You paid four hundred dollars to uh to uh, give birth to your uh, little one. Yeah. All right. Oh my god. This means price match, by the way, which is gonna be awesome. I feel like, uh, and the thing is that, like, I I feel as if this can't be, as we touched on it a little bit on AM Twib, and I feel like it cannot be discussed more uh, uh, enough, because I feel like there has to be a collective the fuck from everyone that this is how. We currently roll. 
that literally you can be within a 30-mile difference and all of a sudden you're paying this much and that much. And for what? For what? Why is this? Why, why are we, why is it okay? And why is the, uh, the hospitals quietly going along with it? And then all the insurance companies quietly going along with it. And so everyone just kind of goes, mm-hmm. I mean, this is what it is. As opposed to going, the fuck? Why? No, no. Why don't we make some rules and regulations on how this works? But no, no. Let's, let, let's start, let, let's completely do that. Let's have people literally be destroying their entire lives because they had a child and or they got sick. That's a smart move. And I know, I know Obama's obviously an asshole for this because, I mean, Obama's an asshole every time he does anything. Uh, but the, uh, li- literally, <laughs> the point is, he says, as, uh, if you go to the page, you can actually download this, the, the Excel uh, spreadsheet for all of this, uh, uh, inpatient charge data for the year of 2011. You can go download this from, uh, from the, uh, CMS.gov. I'll actually put the link out there. And, it, and on the page it says, as a part of the Obama's administration's work to uh, make our healthcare system more affordable and accountable, data are uh, data are being released uh, to show the significant variation across the country and within communities in what hospitals charge for common inpatient services. Which was Obama going, "Yeah, motherfuckers, now what?" That was what that was what he wanted to write, but he didn't. He wrote that beautiful. Quiet thing, you know what I mean? Well, he didn't write it; some some intern wrote it. But <laughs> but that's what he wanted to write, you know what I mean? Uh, the data provided here included includes hospital specific charges for more than three thousand U.S. hospitals that receive Medicare inpatient prospective payment systems. And so so wait, so uh, Dasha, let me just understand this. So long as you accept Medicare, you had to give up all your pricing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that is that is the, that is the rub. By the way, I have to issue a correction. Apparently, when you're pregnant, you don't remember things. It wasn't four thousand; it was fourteen thousand. Okay. Seriously, but still, it was less than half. No, no. Did your husband? Did, you, did your husband just cause text you? He's like, "Ah, oh, honey." Um, he actually. did. <laughs> <laughs> he actually did. The thing, the thing about pregnancy is, you forget things. Do you really? Is that a thing? You do. Yes. You could. I could leave a room. I could leave a room. I could walk from one room to the other. Completely forget what I was doing and where I was going. I had to write a post-it note to myself that said "keys, wallet," and put it on the door. Oh my god! Doctor, yeah, I think I'm pregnant, <laughs> sir. <laughs> what? I, I, if that's if that happens, that happens to me now. Aaron, how many times have I walked out of the office into the studio into into the engineering booth and I go, "Hey, Aaron," <sighs> and I just walk out? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it. I mean it happens to everybody, but it's so much worse when you're pregnant. I don't uh, know why. If, if, I if, really don't know why. If it's worse, if, if 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 that happened to you more than it happens to me now, you would basically not be able to function as a human. It happens to me so much right now, but that, it's the ADD. I, I'm so so wait. Oh my god, babies give women ADD. Oh my god. I I, I think we have a study. If we can find five women that all agree with this, then I have a study. Can I get can I get money? Can I get twenty grand for this? I want to study. We have to write the right grants. We have to frame the study. I want to study. All right, that's yeah, not, we that's, not, that's not how you go about it. I mean, I, I I suppose I could write a proposal, but um, I don't really think that there's funding for that. <laughs> I'm just saying this. This I think is magical how problematic this is overall and how and and now it, it literally is a question and, I, I, and i'm dead serious 
Tell your friends. Tell your friends, friends. Tell your friends, friends who, and then they tell that dude who's kind of an asshole, but like whatever. You, you, you don't hate him completely. You don't want him to fall downstairs, but you might trip him if you thought no one else would see. Tell him too. Tell everybody because everyone has to have enough rage. And when they go to the doctor, go, this is stupid. This is dumb. So that, cause what's going to end up happening is that someone is going to go, there's going to have to be policy that's pushed down and go, no, right? But there needs to be enough of a groundswell from the constituents to say, hey, unacceptable, I do not like this. I do not want this. Please stop it. And maybe, please note, I don't even know if that's going to work, because the fact is, corporations have a lot of money. <laughs> right? Corporations yeah. have money. I don't know. It's going to be a fight. It's not like going to be like, all of a sudden, this insurance companies, come on, this is going to be a huge goddamn fight, because basically, it's going to be about, hey, you know those billions of dollars in profit you get? We need you to stop getting that because you're yeah. screwing everyone else. I mean, Medicare is taking, you know, their their stance on it is that well, we shouldn't even be having like a like a fight against corporate behemoths because hospitals should be and technically I guess are non-profit. They're supposed to be not for profit. So suddenly, you know, they're it's I guess Medicare, I guess for Medicare, they're like, we have the moral high ground in this on one hand, but on the other hand, yeah, hospitals are run like businesses, just like universities are run like businesses. And they're not supposed to be. Mm. And you look at any hospital, I mean, people, look at, look at the, the nearest hospitals or construction happening on it. Not currently. <laughs> not, not, not where you are. It seems like everywhere, every city that I've gone to recently has had a hospital with massive amounts of construction happening on it. Mm. I don't know. I, I I just what I want. I just I don't. There has. I don't. I just don't know where the line is to be drawn here. I, I and I need a line because this is this is just terrifying overall. And just as and as someone who just has some uh, uh, has a couple of uh, health things, like I I tell you flat out, I was afraid to even go look have my uh my 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 eye and I put that in quotes looked at uh because I wasn't sure what that was going to actually run. Mm-hmm. I was terrified. I suddenly I got a hole in my head, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I should go get this check. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of money. I mean, yeah, I do have a hole in my head. Yeah, I mean, yes, there is actually some random orb floating in, uh, stitched inside of conjunctivus inside my eye hole, but it seems oh. a little pricey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I well, I, I, uh, I spent a year abroad in France, and I bet you did. In the, I did. <laughs> and it was good. Dasha! Miss Mitchell, please, this is not the type of program I'm going to have to request that we do not refer to any sexual escapades during or and around the program. I just said program. it was good. No, you, you didn't. know why he said sexual escapades. We'll <laughs> get to alluded. that in a second. <laughs> um, so I was staying with a family, with a host family. They were very lovely. And, um, and within the first couple of weeks or so, I got violently ill. You know, it often happened. New food, new water. Your system goes, no. And so um, in getting violently ill, I went home and was violently ill at home, and they couldn't understand why I hadn't told them to call the doctor. And I was like, what kind of luxurious, like, no, I'm not that sick. I'm not dying. I'm just vomiting profusely everywhere. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I'm not dying. And they were like, call a doctor. And I was, I was thinking that they were just being extra. They're like, oh, we've got this American kid. We got to make sure she's okay. Be an extra, bringing the. We got to take her to the hospital. Not only did they not take me to the hospital, 
they had a doctor come to the apartment on a house call. I'm sorry, what? Check me out. Okay, now what yeah, now? came with they, his little bag. What? He checked me out. Doctors come to your house? And then left. And I felt so incredibly guilty. It's and like, when I finally recovered from all of this, I spoke to my host mother and I said, I can't believe that you went through all this trouble to bring this doctor into the house to check me out. I was fine. And she was like, what do you mean trouble? That didn't cost anything. That's just what happens. What? That's how you, that's how you guys just, roll, just call a doctor? I couldn't imagine you call a doctor. a doctor and they come to your house to make sure you're okay. I can't even imagine a doctor at my house. Just, you don't have to hop into a cab and vomit all over the cab. <laughs> Go to the ER and wait for three hours and vomit all over yourself at the ER. At least you're vomiting well, with other... somebody tell you you're going to be fine. At least no. you're vomiting with other vomiting people at the ER. You guys can compare stories. The ER Maybe is the worst. Basketball. Aaron ran Freeman. The, the, ER, the ER is the worst place in humanity. Oh, I know. You never... If you can help it, I've, I've always offered my services to always go with someone to the ER for that reason, because when you're just sitting there by yourself and sick in the ER, it is bottom five activities <laughs> in life. The only thing that matches being sick in the ER uh, is being sick at a public uh, clinic. Free clinic. Same, it's basically the same premise. Uh, basically people are there because they have to be. And it's, and they treat you. I can't even express how you're treated in these environments. Hmm. And you're, it's as if you, it's, it's as if not only how dare you have gotten sick, but on top of it, you can't afford it. <sighs> have a seat. Someone will be with you momentarily. Wow. Where would you like this build? Like, I, I assure you, I, I have gone to the doctor numerous times, uh, as, as sick, and I, it, it's, I can't express to you the brokenness that comes along with going into an ER and or a free clinic. To the point where there was, especially when I didn't have any insurance, at the moment I'm actually in a no insurance, uh, uh pocket because my wife switched jobs. Uh, so we, we have no insurance again until we get uh, on our new insurance, which by the way, we almost didn't get because, uh, she's, uh, she has a new job at a place, but she's on contract. So they might, they didn't really have to give her, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, healthcare. So we would have just been floating for a year, no healthcare, cause she's on a contract and I'm gonna, uh, uh, I run a, a business that kills my soul. Uh, <laughs> and, and literally I, 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 there were so many times where I would just, I'd rather just be ill then have to deal with the environments that come along with that. Yep. I'd rather do, I'd just yep. rather be sick at home. My yeah. mom, who has insurance, I have have to yell at her sometimes to go to the doctor, but especially if it's like any type of like urgent care, she doesn't even like to go to her urgent care with insurance. It's uh, the environment that we have for health care is one of the worst environments. Now you can say, really? What about, what about Somalia? I bet you their healthcare is worse. And to that I say, shut the fuck up! Really? You're comparing America's healthcare to Somalia. That's what, that's how you want to make your argument that we should just shut up and be happy. And that we have the best healthcare in the world. No, you, some people have some of the best healthcare in the world. And then a lot of folks have shit. Absolute, positive, bowls of magical shit. And they told, you're told to rub it on yourself, and maybe you'll feel better tomorrow. So from now on, whenever you hear these horns, just know, you are now entering the blackness. Collard brains, corn bread, and the catfish. Not the mention of the king with the blackness. We all laugh, son. This is blackness. You are now entering the blackness. Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, and the classics. Real love, the opposite of ratchet. We all laugh, son. This
say let's go to Siri on the best show. Clearly that is not no theory. Come get some melanin up in your podcast and mother talk show. Just make you want to have a car crash. In order for your plan, a single payer, socialized medicine, to go into effect, you would have to put an entire industry out of business. Um, and in America, they can't do that. You cannot put an industry out of business. It's impossible. Well, we're not going to put them out of business. We're just going to change the focus. They won't be the primary provider. They can be the supplemental insurance. They can they can take that tact. And if you look at countries such as Taiwan that institute a single-payer system within a year, Switzerland changed and uh, changed the emphasis of their insurance uh uh, companies um, and, and it's possible. I don't think it's possible on a national level like we want to do because of the dysfunction in Congress. But I do think that we can start in California, where the more people see uh, more and more of their paycheck every year going into healthcare, and yet still not getting the coverage that they desire, and their dis- dissatisfaction continuing to climb, and being educated about a, a real proven alternative that exists. It's not theoretical. It's been going on for years. What's in going on in Vermont? So Vermont is, is, is one, it's got a population of 6 million. So I don't necessarily think what happens in Vermont will be a, a, a good test for the rest of the country. Uh, they are trying to sa- establish a single-payer system, but it's, it's not really going to be where you eliminate the private insurance industry. Uh, As it stands right now, it seems that people will have an option to buy into a system, but it sounds like more of a public option rather than a complete elimination of the uh, other providers. And the problem is this. As you touched upon, it's not just the private insurance industry, while they're a big part of this. It's also the inability to have a consistent system in terms of the way physicians practice, the way drugs are negotiated, prices are negotiated. Uh, If you have multiple multiple players in the market that are competing against one another, that, that's sort of the, the problem. That's why when I see a patient, my office staff has to spend so much time getting preauthorization from that patient that's different from the next patient I see who's got a different in- health insurance provider and why Blue Cross may pay me such and such to take care of this patient, but Aetna may only pay me something. And it, you can imagine the administrative mess. Part of the idea behind a single-payer system is to eliminate the administrative mess by having one unit uniform pricing. So whether it, you're going to have a hip replacement at this hospital down the street or in Ohio or Florida, it'll be the same price and the doctor will get the same percentage, the hospital. And then afterwards, the drug that you need to take to recover, that will cost the same no matter where you go. The idea is by doing that, then my office staff doesn't have to spend all that time negotiating or fighting for authorization from all those places. So the administrative simplicity will save the average doctor $70,000 a year in administrative costs. There's been a study showing that. But more importantly, in terms of the, the whole system, that's where the, the great savings is anticipated to be about $400 billion a year. Okay, so there's a lot of blame to go around. I blame people for getting sick. <laughs> but doctors were against, the AMA was against Medicare. Correct. They actually, that, they launched Ronald Reagan's career. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, they coined the phrase uh, socialized medicine. And, and the only thing I would say is that single payer is not socialized medicine. Socialized medicine is where the government pays for and operates every aspect of the healthcare system. They own the hospitals. They employ the doctors. Is that England? That's Great England. Britain. Yeah. yeah. Which is the closest they have to a national religion. Right. You cannot get rid of socialized medicine in Great Britain. The Even complaint. Margaret Thatcher was in favor of it. She protected it, and she proudly upheld that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is actually a socialized system. We actually have a socialized system here where the government owns and operates the hospital, employs the doctors. It's called the VA system. Mm-hmm. Ironically, right. the system that takes care of our, our enlisted and our soldiers is a socialized system. And it was good up until a few years ago. Correct. Although it is starting to become better with the increased efficiencies that they're right. having. But it's just, again, uh, where the big problem, as you uh, alluded to, is... After so Medicare the, would be single-payer. Correct. Medicare, but it would not be socialized because the doctors would still work for themselves. Right. The hospitals could remain independent. All aspects of, of that. It's just instead of dealing with, again, 12 different insurance plans, we will only have one insurance plan to simplify everything. Simplify. Today's activism segment comes to you, as always, in partnership with the Unfuck It Up Project, where creator Katie Goodman and director Katie Klebusik encourage involvement over apathy by highlighting people and organizations that are doing good for their communities and the world. Today's campaign, Healthcare Now. Healthcare is one of the most debated, politicized, and complicated issues of the past decade. As more components of the Affordable Care Act are implemented, millions of Americans are gaining access to basic services. The importance of this increased access cannot be emphasized enough. The state exchanges begin enrollment in just a few weeks, bringing down the cost to individuals and providing alternatives to the emergency rooms and urgent care facilities flooded with those who could not previously afford monthly premiums. Unfortunately, because the ACA, also known as Obamacare, utilizes the current for-profit healthcare system, it will never bring quality care with equal access to everyone in the same way as the single-payer and universal systems nearly every other developed nation provides its citizens. Healthcare Now is a grassroots organization active in all 50 states working to reach the goal of truly bringing healthcare to all Americans. They have a conference coming up this month, events planned across the country, and an ongoing petition drive to push politicians from small towns to Washington toward their goal. The for-profit Profit model is not sustainable, and Healthcare Now is looking past the Affordable Care Act to a quote publicly funded single payer healthcare system that is universal, equitable, transparent, accountable, comprehensive, and that removes financial and other barriers to the right to health. Use the links in the segment notes to find your state's exchange information, and then visit healthcare-now.org to get involved in the effort to maintain the momentum of these new benefits. Successful state exchanges can be the bridge to universal care if we stay focused and organized. Links to today's campaign will be in the show notes and all the usual places. You can visit the Best of the Left Facebook page for this and other activism opportunities and to share actions for possible use on the show. Fucked up. 
could you help unfuck it up? And then say, are you really so fucking busy? You can't take one fucking minute to help unfuck it up. Because I'm willing to pick one thing to help unfuck it up. Won't you join me? Republicans know that, I mean, you know, America, there's a lot of Americans who consume health care, who are, who are using health insurance companies. And when those rates go down, when coverage is more widely available, when uh, uh, pre-existing conditions no longer are a roadblock, which means that people can be more mobile, right? I actually know people who are in jobs that they hate, and they could move to jobs that they would like. And, in fact, I know one person who actually has an opportunity to do that and can't because he has a pre-existing condition. And if he moved to the new company, he gets a new insurance company, and that new insurance company will say, well, we don't cover anything that has to do with that pre-existing condition. And so, you know, Americans have been afraid to change jobs for the last couple of decades as the insurance companies started really, really playing this game serious. And now they can't play that game anymore. So that's going to mean that more people will feel free to say, you know, take this job and shove it. I'm going to go someplace else, or I'm going to go out and start my own business. And, and I'll get a brand new health insurance policy from the exchange. It's going to be cheaper, and they can't deny me because of pre-existing condition. When Americans figure that out, that it's going to become easier to be an entrepreneur, it's going to be easier to become a small business person, it's going to be easier for small businesses to shop around for new policies for their people, that it's going to, you know, that all these things that you can't be denied, you know, just, you go right through the list. When Americans figure that out and figure out that that's what Obamacare is, all the huffing and puffing on the right, it's going to mean nothing. So why are the Republicans so opposed to this, you ask? Well, very simple. If it works and is good for the American people, then a Democratic president, and oh my God, an African-American one at that, gets credit for it. And you've got a lot of people on the right who are just genuinely horrified about the idea that President Obama might get credit for anything. I mean, these were the guys who got together the night that Obama was inaugurated after he was first elected the first time. And basically swore a blood oath to each other that they would obstruct everything he did. To quote Kevin McCarthy, the number three Republican in the House of Representatives. We got to challenge them on every single bill, show united and unyielding opposition to the president's economic policies. Period. Or as Pete Sessions said, Congressman Pete Sessions, Taliban insurgency. We understand perhaps a little bit more because of the Taliban. Dis it'll, we understand how to disrupt and change a person's entire processes, like the president's, right? We need to understand that insurgency may be required when dealing with Democrats on the other side. This is Congressman Pete Sessions talking about this meeting they had at this, at this restaurant the night that President Obama was inaugurated for his first term. And they have kept to that for six years. Do everything you can to destroy this president, make history look upon him unfavorably, make the American people think of him as a failed president, as an ineffective president. Do everything you can to make that happen by blocking everything he tries to do even if it's good for the American people, especially if it's good for the American people, because then he'll get credit for it, and we can't have that. 
Now, increasingly, Americans are figuring this out. Increasingly, you know, I mean, the Republicans, they go around and go, Oh, Obamacare, I'm hysterical about it because it's going to, you know, stuff's going to go through the IRS. Well, your medical records are not going to go through the IRS. You know, but, but phew, I'm concerned about the security of my medical record. No, they're not going to go through the IRS. Sorry. Aren't you concerned about security of medical records right now? I went to the dentist this morning. My last dentist here in D.C. I was not so pleased with, and so I went to a new dentist. Brand new, brand, first time ever. I had to sign that form that everybody has to, you know, the HIPAA form that basically says, by signing this, you're giving us the right to sell your private information to anybody we want. And there's not a doctor in the country who isn't basically required to force you to sign that. <laughs> Another, thank you, George Bush. So, anyhow, they, what Republicans are genuinely afraid of is that this will be successful. And it will be. And people are going to look back in 2016 and go, you know, not a bad program. And those guys tried to do everything they could to destroy it. Hi, everyone. Today, in lieu of asking you to support this show, I want to ask you to support my fundraising effort for this year's Climate Ride. This will be my second year in a row raising money for 350.org, the best climate organization I know of with a massive international reach, and the Chesapeake Climate Action Network, the best local climate organization, which works in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia, and also happens to be the place where I used to work, so I know personally how much they deserve the support. In exchange for you helping me reach my goal of $2,400 raised, I will be riding my bike the 300 miles between New York City and Washington, D.C. over the course of five days in September. To contribute, simply visit climateride.org and search for my name, Jay, and you'll see the full name, Jay Tomlinson, pop right up. Click the name to see my fundraising page and make a tax-deductible donation. I've already contributed to get the ball rolling. Thanks in advance for your support. Obamacare, of course, is beginning to be implemented. Carl Rove doesn't like this. His group is Crossroads GPS, which, to a fun side note, is a tax-exempt nonprofit group. Uh, they are the majority of their work is supposed to be non-political. I have never seen them do anything that wasn't political, and in fact, they spend the great majority of their money on political ads like this. We're not even in the middle of an election, but they've decided that they're going to try to attack Obamacare with this fascinating new uh, ad called Obamacare NATO. Let's watch. Obamacare. Tornado. Obamacare NATO. Just when you thought it was safe to go to the doctor. Nearly 7 million Americans could lose their employer-based plans. A rising tide of health care costs. Many people have already seen higher premiums. Nobody's safe from the draft. Doctors are turning more seniors away. Obamacare NATO. Obamacare has been wonderful for America. Leaving the path of destruction through our economy. This is a very good thing for the American people. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Of course, they're uh, referring to Sharknado, uh, that sci-fi channel ran. <laughs> absurd, absurd uh, show that that was. And this is no less absurd. In fact, it's more absurd. Uh, oh, my God, he's trying to give you health care. He's like a shark in a tornado. Could you imagine if you actually got affordable health care? Oh, 
that attack would be devastating. Do you know that the House has now voted to take down Obamacare at the minimum 38 times? Now, of course, it doesn't matter because the Democrats control the Senate, and so it never gets past the Senate. And the president is not only a Democrat, but his name is Obama, as in Obamacare. Right? So it's not like he wouldn't veto it, he would. But the Republicans have nothing better to do anyway. They don't want to pass any jobs bills. They don't want any stimulus. They don't want to do anything that might actually fix the economy. Obama might get credit for it. So they just keep repassing. Oh, we hate Obamacare. We're striking it down again and again and again. They've lost count. One article said 38 times. Another one said 41 times. They've done it so often. We don't know how many times they've done it. What a tremendous waste of time and energy. So... What is happening with Obamacare? Well, it's being implemented now in different stages. And it turns out in places like New York, Oregon, Montana, California, and Louisiana, it has sharply brought down the cost of insurance for individuals. In fact, let's take a look at uh, New York City. There was a, a recent article breaking this down. Uh, annual income of $17,000. You know how much uh, you pay under the silver plan and the new health care um, Implementation, $55 a month. Now, $17,000 is not a lot of income, uh, but $55 a month is almost doable by anyone. $20,000 a year in income, you're paying $85 a month, uh, $25,145 a month. Now, these are beginning to be a little bit more reasonable. Now, to give you an example, again, in New York, uh, average person who is paying $1,000 a month for health care, well, starting in October, their payments would be as little as $308 a month and that's before the government helps them. And why is that? Because they created competition. In New York, now there's 17 different providers that are joining this market created by what the Republicans call Obamacare. And the results have been literally surprising, not just surprising the conservatives and the experts, but also to me. Look, I was split on this bill. I was 50-50 on it all along. I think it's very complicated and it has some positive parts, but I was afraid that it wasn't going to be able to control costs well enough. And at least in this instance, I was wrong, because it's actually in the beginning, for individuals in places like New York and in Montana, Oregon, California, Louisiana, and different places it's been implemented, controlled costs much better than expected. Now, nonetheless, if you look at the poll numbers on it, it's not doing so well. Uh, in July of 2012, 44% thought it was a bad idea, 40% thought it was a good idea. Now, that's a slight loss. Now, almost a year later, it's a much more significant loss. Now, 49% believe it's a bad idea, and only 37% believe that it's a good idea. So why in the world is we're seeing this implementation, we're seeing lower costs. I went to the doctor recently, didn't have to have a copay for my checkup. Great, that's 20 bucks in my pocket. It's a small thing, but it's what a lot of people are experiencing throughout the country. 13 million people are getting rebates back from their insurance companies because they uh, overcharged because of the new way that Obamacare says, hey, you cannot take more than 20% for marketing and basically executives' compensation. 80% of what you spend has to actually go towards health care. So if the companies that didn't do that have to give a rebate to their customers. So why are the numbers going down as we're beginning to see some positive results? It's because of the ad I just showed you. And now, what are the Democrats or President Obama supposed to do? There's no election time. What are you going to go to, uh, to different donors and say, please give me money to run ads in the middle of 
nothing? Well, you can't make that argument. You're not going to run those ads. But the conservatives that hate this and that have a financial incentive to make sure they destroy this new health care system are never going to stop. So during non-election season, it's an uneven playing field. It's only one-sided propaganda. While the Democrats run no ads whatsoever, the Republicans continue to pound away with ads on Fox News Channel, whenever Republicans go on any of the news channels. Oh, Obamacare, it's destroying us. Have you seen what it's done to jobs? No, I haven't seen what it's done to jobs. What are you talking about? Oh, my God, the businesses are being ripped apart by Obamacare NATO. What's your example? What's your proof? Oh, my God, have you seen it? Yeah, I have seen it. It actually saved me a lot of money. But propaganda works. That's why it's become less popular. Now, it might have negative consequences down the road. It might not be all roses as we go forward. And I'm sure that there will be significant bumps in the road and things I don't agree with. But right now, the results look pretty good. But unfortunately, the American people are getting the exact opposite message. Gee, I wonder if money makes a difference. And if the powerful that already have the money are willing to spend it to make more money and that that could impact our politics. See how all this works, right? You know, I haven't mentioned it in a while. Wolf-pack.com, perhaps that solves things a little bit. Solves the strong language, but at least we can help. Wolf-pack.com. By the way, all you got to do is go on there and sign a petition. It takes five seconds. It's at least a way of help. If you got a problem, don't care what it is. You need a hand, I can assure you. Going back to Medicare, we're celebrating its 48th birthday. Medicare was monolithic. There was, I, I would assume it was a much smaller bill, fewer special interests. Lyndon Johnson had a bigger majority in the, in the House and the Senate to pass it. Was medicine for profit when Medicare was passed? When yep. did medicine become a for-profit enterprise? It's actually been for profit for quite some time now. It was not. Hospitals used to be, I think, weren't they run by the Catholic Church or Temple Israel or a university? They weren't supposed to make money, I thought, at one time. At one, well, again, like like anything, it was. I would say this: there were always uh, very altruistic, not-for-profit, truly not-for-profit hospitals. Particularly, a lot of the Catholic hospitals, as you mentioned, a lot of the Jewish hospitals. Cedars, when it first opened, its mission was really to care for everyone. Uh, and same thing with a lot of the the Catholic hospitals you see. Um, even organizations like Blue Cross and Blue Shield initially w came out of really good intentions. So Blue Cross was initially founded in Texas. Um, it was called Burning Cross at the time. <laughs> simpler uh, times. <laughs> A lot of the teachers um, uh, they basically got together and they went to local hospitals and they said we'll pay you a set monthly fee if you take care of our 
our, our, our teachers. We're talking about, what, what are we talking about? Like the twenties? Uh, the yeah, in the nineteen twenties, uh, and 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 that's how initially Blue Cross was initially started. Blue Shield was actually started up in the Pacific Northwest, which was a plan for basically lumber workers that they pooled together and they went to groups of doctors and they said, if our uh, workers get sick, we're just going to pay you a monthly fee and then you'll take care of all of them. Right. So both of them were born out of just true free market, really let's let's do something that makes sense, win-win for everyone. Then, then probably a lot of people argue that as the it was when uh, during the Nixon administration he actually tried to uh, clamp down a little bit on the private insurance industry because he saw things were, were were changing. But somewhere between that period of time to now, and particularly in California with the managed care situation, um, but it used to be doctors got rich, right? Doctors were wealthy. Right. Hospital administrators were bureaucrats. And people didn't buy up hospitals to get rich. Right. So somewhere along the line, they figured out a way to monetize health care. And, and, and health care was much simpler back then as well. Um, you didn't have all these fancy tests. You didn't have high malpractice. You didn't have uh, cutthroat industries where uh, a doctor would move right down the street from you and try to undercut your bill bills it was a much uh, much more civil much more sort of simplistic but companies like wellpoint didn't exist 50 correct, years ago correct and uh, companies like that really uh, really happened uh, probably in the last 15 years where you had a massive consolidation of the health insurance industry and in order for your plan a single payer to come in to existence, you would have to put a multi-billion, if not one trillion dollar industry out of business. You can't do that in America. Well, at least the, that's what we're going to keep trying. College of Utah. I just got done listening to your most recent podcast about um, higher education. And I do realize it was about higher education, but toward the beginning they were talking about um, elementary schools and high schools. And I was surprised that nobody noticed um, or mentioned that part of the reason that children have a hard time learning in impoverished areas is because they don't have uh, the family structure, you know, a parent telling them it's time to do your homework. Sometimes their parents aren't home at night. Sometimes they're not getting enough sleep and they're not getting enough to eat, which, you know, as a college student, if I don't get enough to sleep or to eat, I am not where I should be in my mind. So I think that's a contributing factor that also has to do with the recent talks about uh, the farm bills and uh, food stamps and all that stuff. So not only is the funding bad because the test scores are bad, but the test scores are bad because the food stamps aren't good and children aren't getting the structure and nutrition that they need to perform well. So that's all of the show. You do a great job. Thanks.
Hi, Jay. My name is Brian from uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. Course of higher education. Uh, it was a good show. Um, what I would li- have liked to heard in that uh, program was uh, about the loan companies and the laws that enable them to apparently do things that other companies could not do. Um, my wife is about 60 years old. She has $38,000 yet in student loans from about 17 years ago. And paying on this, the interest rate uh, is the same. However, the interest she pays every month is different. We've tried to get an amortization statement from them. They said they do not have uh, have to give that to us, and our congressmen agreed with them. Um, I did an amortization and figure they owe us about $2,000 yet. So I would have liked to have heard about the, these loan companies and the laws that, that have changed over the years that enable them to do things that other uh, banks and, and loan institutions are not able to do. Thanks. Hi, Jay. This is Chris from New York City. I'm a white, straight male, and I grew up in Rochester, New York. And I'm calling in response to Josh. Hey, Jay. This is Josh in Dallas. On the at the end of the climate episode, who commented on the prison nation? Is that everybody thinks you know prisoners have a cush life? You know, they 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 talk about how prisoners have cable TV and conjugal visits and they seem to want to make prison sound like it's better than being in the outside and when you're trying to fight that kind of point of view which is totally and completely not based in reality it makes it that much tougher to reform the system and that people are seeing prison as a step up in life uh, that they got cable tv and they got uh, uh, all sorts of great things and i think that he's coming at it from the same place i am except that i my parents worked in the inner city, and I saw what the difference was of people living there as opposed to myself in the suburbs. And that is that they don't get all necessarily three square meals a day. They don't get a great place to live. And the step up in life is the little thing, and they see that as great. And I think that's the tragedy. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make the show possible. And thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So at the top of the show, I mentioned that healthcare makes me more angry than any other topic that gets dealt with on this show. And that's absolutely true. I didn't, I didn't decide that. I didn't even, you know, discover it by contemplating it and wondering to myself, you know, what makes me more angry than anything else. No, I, I, I learned this by simply observing myself, you know, as I discuss various political issues in, in various uh, settings. Healthcare is the one when, when I find myself yelling at people, even people who agree with me. I'm just shouting at them my opinions because I'm so angry about the state of our healthcare system. And, uh, and, and so I asked myself today and almost instantly within the same half second answered it. And I thought, you know, so I was doing the show. I was like, oh yeah. Like this is the one that makes me more angry than anything else. Hey, why is that? Oh, I know why that is. It's because I'm so goddamn privileged that healthcare 
you know, my own personal health and how I have to interact with the healthcare system in order to stay healthy is like the one political issue that actually touches my life personally. You know, I'm so ridiculously sheltered from all the other injustices that are happening in the world. It's, it's insane. And I thought, I was just like, geez, if I was a member of an actual oppressed minority of any kind, I would, I feel like I would just go around yelling all the time. I don't know. I, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, but speaking of yelling, this isn't what I want to talk about today. I have some good news. I had a good idea. I want to share it with you. And, and the good idea is totally dependent on people just like you to make it happen. And, and if it works, it's going to be awesome. So activism. So, you know, as you know, I've been trying to integrate more activism into the show, doing the activism updates in partnership with the Unfuck It Up project. And that's been going well. And, and, you know, that's how I get information about activism out to you. And I want to build on that by reversing the process. Now, I want more information about activism from you. Now, don't panic. I'm not trying to get anyone to, you know, do research and and call in and, you know, get, give more advice on what actions people should be going to. Now, when you go to any sort of activist event, you know, a, a, a protest, a march, anything along those lines, I mean, a, a town hall meeting, if you, if you go out into the world and you use your own time and energy and something's talked about and you want to share that, we want to hear it. And this is how easy it is to do. If, if you go out, you find yourself in an event like this, I'm not asking you to like be a, a journalist and start interviewing people. Just if you have a smartphone, you have a recording device you can record ambient noise. You can record uh, speakers, you know, giving speeches. You can record chants. If you're, if you, you know, if you're feeling brave, you can narrate what you see. If people have protest signs, you can read the signs that uh, that, that you're witnessing as you're walking along. You know, and if you if you really are brave, go ahead and interview people. Ask them what you know. Why are why are they there? What what are they protesting? And so on. And then send that in. And then in addition. Uh, you know, just give your own firsthand accounts of the action that you attended. You know, we already have a voicemail line, 202-999-3991. Just call in and say, hey, I, I was at this event and this is what happened. Uh, this is what we were protesting. This is why. And so I know it sounds messy so far, right? So we have all this raw audio. What are we going to do with that? Well, I've already talked to my good friend, Chris Priest, who's basically an audio wizard who can take raw audio just like that and spin it like straw into gold, take the raw material and, and turn it into an amazing compilation, like an audio collage uh, of, of music and sound and voices and speakers and, and all those sorts of things to tell a story about the kind of activism that's going on in the world. So it's incredibly easy on your end. And we have a really talented guy on our end who can turn it uh, you know, turn all the raw audio into something worth sharing on the show. And, and that's how I think we complete the cycle. So if you're interested, just keep in mind, you know, it's, it's all about habit forming, right? So just keep in mind, if you go to an event, record it, uh, nothing special, just record what's going on. People will say something, people will shout, uh, you know, there'll be music, there'll be speakers and so on. Just record what's going on and then give your firsthand accounts you know, if you feel like it and, and let us know, you know, the details of 
the event you went to. And think of it this way. You know, this is not just for people who are already going out to these protests. You know, imagine that you know that something is happening, something you could attend, but yeah, I mean, you're kind of tired and you don't really feel like it. And I mean, honestly, what does it matter if you don't go? I mean, if other people are protesting, one person less isn't going to be that big of a loss, right? Well, think of it this way. Since you listen to this show and you know that if you go to that event and you record a little bit of audio and you give a little bit of narration or you you know call in and give your uh, firsthand account, then you actually going to that one little protest will mean that the information about that protest can be spread to thousands and thousands of people who wouldn't have heard about it otherwise. So all of a sudden, you have a much greater motivation to go to an event like that because of the impact you can have by going. So, you know, it's another one of those win-win-win scenarios. All I need is your help to make it happen. So record however you want to record. Get the audio to me. Just email it at uh, j at bestoftheleft.com and call in your firsthand accounts to the voicemail line 202-999-3991. And if we can get a little bit of this going, then I'll, I'll be able to uh, show you what we can do with it. And once you hear how it sounds, I'm confident you'll be even more excited to go out and make it happen more and more. So that's the idea. Let me know what you think. And, you know, just in the past episode, I was talking about the protest against Alec in Chicago. So if you were there, call into the voicemail line and let us know how it went. What what happened? What did it sound like? Who, who was speaking? What did they say? And so on. Just give us a little, uh, you know, verbal picture of what happened and uh, and we'll start this ball rolling. So that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you're not already subscribed to the show, there are lots of ways to do it. Subscribe to iTunes. Use the RSS feed to subscribe any way you want. And then there are a variety of smartphone apps, including Stitcher. And Best of the Left has its own app, in fact, for iPhone, Android, and Windows 8 now. Thanks also and especially to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations. That is absolutely how the program survives. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every third day thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com And it's a crying shame How we get so trained We can't see past all the sad stories And wonder why we're missing We can't see past all the sad stories And forget how to listen We can't see past Stories and wonder what we're doing. Can't see past all the sad stories and forget who it is we're.